He's God. Praise God. Hope you enjoyed the praise and worship service. Amen. We are excited. Amen. About what God is doing. I just want to thank all of you. Amen. As we get ready for our tithes and offering period. I really sincerely just want to thank all of you that have been contributing consistently and just partnering with us as we do this work for God. And, you know, some exciting times coming up. We're using this season we're in. You know, there's some exciting things that we got coming up. And, you know, one thing that we're looking to do, I want to just give you a better, a better online experience. So as you're getting ready to partner with us, you know, we want to upgrade our cameras just to give you better visuals, upgrade some sound equipment and just everything. We want to we want to take the next step and make sure that everything we're giving you is quality, is excellent. And so as you get ready to give your tithes and offering today, just think about that specific project. You know, keep in mind, you know, we love serving you online. But we want it better, amen. That way when you're inviting people, amen, you, you're giving them good visuals, you're giving them good sound. So we're getting ready to go into our tithes and offering prayer. But when I thought about that, I said the first thing I wanted to do was really just show gratitude to God and all of you that have been partnering with us consistently so that we can do what we have been doing. So I just want to say thank you for how you've been giving Thank you for how you've been supporting. It's really, really appreciated. And it's because of these contributions for nearly almost two years we've been able to come before you and serve. But now we want to take another step. We want to we uh, expand on that. We want to grow in those areas. We want to advance our digital reach. We want better cameras for our Instagram and better uh, cameras for photos and and better cameras for high def and with different angles. We just want to get to that level where everything is flawless and everything is superior. And it takes, anytime you have a business and you're getting ready to advance a business, it takes an investment. You can't grow. You can't expand. You can't, um, you can't without sowing back into the business, you can't, expand and in order to expand you got to have new equipment you got to have sometimes a business may need new tractors sometimes they may need new trucks for delivery your business may start off small but as it grow now you got people calling you for food and you got to deliver you got to have equipment for that you know so a lot of times things start small and God maintains it and that's beautiful but now we are looking to take the next step and in order to take another step praise God you got to invest. And so we're just asking that you be consistent, that you sow into what God is doing. And just remember, always remember, when you sowing into the kingdom of God, it will be pressed down. It will be shaken together. And it will be running over. It's not like the stock market that go up and down when bad things happen in the world. But the kingdom of God is an immovable kingdom. Praise God. So keep that in mind as you continue to give your tithes, continue to give your offering. Praise God. Sow into the kingdom of God and partner with us on this journey to make our digital and online presence even better. Praise God. So, amen. Get your offerings together. They're going to put some instructions on you for to send your tithes and your offering in. And then we're going to come back after that and go into the word of God 
And I pray the word of God blesses you today because I'm excited to bring it to you. Praise God. Thank all of you for partnering with us through giving. Praise God as we continue to go forward in God's kingdom with excitement. Praise God. So bow your heads with me as we pray over this offering. Father God, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for everyone, oh God, that participated in giving today. God, I pray, God, a special blessing over them. Father, I pray, God, that you would Oh, God, touch their heart. God, sustain them in the famine. God, just, God, let them, God, flow through this thing, God, like nothing's going on. Because, God, there is no famine in the kingdom of God. God, there's no shortage in the kingdom of God. God, there's no lack in your kingdom. For, Father, the Bible says that you own a cattle on a thousand hills. The whole earth is yours. God, everything is yours. The whole earth and all of his resources God you put the gold in in the garden and all of the the jewels and the economic systems God you set all of these things up God the Bible say by your word all things consist God meaning you keep everything alive God you keep the economy alive God one word from you can shift to people's lineage and financial and economic statuses so God let the people of God understand sowing and investing into your kingdom. God, for that very act can lift them and their families out of poverty. God, you can open doors for them beyond what they could even imagine or think. Oh, God, so never let the people of God not have a generous spirit. God, and when they give it unto you, bless them with a cheerful heart. Bless them, oh God, to give to you, God, as an expression of gratitude and love. Because to be quite honest, you are the source of everything that we have. So when we're giving back to you, God, we're just thanking you because you are the reason we have it anyway. So thank you, God, as we get ready. Bless all of those in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So praise God. Thank all of you once again for joining with us today. I'm really, really excited about the word that God has put in my heart for you today. And I pray that something is said today that's going to bless you, that's going to strengthen you, that's going to help you. Amen. The title of this message today, and tag to your friends and your family. Amen. And it's beautiful. You can even check in. Uh, you, if you're watching with us today, feel free to check in and 
And we want to just do everything we can to invite people to worship because we know right now everybody's not gathering, and that's okay. And that's why we want to invest in better equipment. We want to make sure we're giving you good quality sound, good quality video, different angles, because we want your online experience to be fantastic. Amen. And we're going to do our part to make sure that we're serving you in the absolute best way that we can. So when you sewing in, amen, just feel like you're partnering with us, amen, because without you, amen, we can't go forward, praise God. So let's go into the word, amen, let's get into the word. We're talking about cardiovascular surgery, and I want to define that word hard, get your Bible, amen, at this time we usually would stand sometimes as a, when we're on the intro scripture, but amen, wherever you are, just get attentive, amen. So, we're going to be talking about cardiovascular surgeon. We're just talking about, obviously, everyone knows we're not talking about the physical heart. Amen. But we're going to talk about the spiritual heart. We're going to talk about, and, and, and the Greek word, when Jesus began to teach on heart, there was a Greek word that he used. It was called cardia, K-A-R-D-I-A, which is where you get the word cardio, cardiovascular. It comes from the Greek word cardia. K-A-R-D-I-A. And Jesus didn't say heart, he said cardia. And when you go in the medical world, they use cardiovascular, cardiovascular health, cardiovascular surgery. Praise God. So let's look into what Jesus was talking about. That word cardio, it means the center and seat of the spiritual life. Y'all write that down. Center and seat of the spiritual life, meaning that cardio or the cardia, K-R-D-I-A, is the center of your being. It is the seat, it is the seat of your spiritual life. The scriptures calls it a few different things. Sometimes it's called the hidden man. Peter talked about the hidden man. Praise God. When he talked about the hidden man, he's talking about the man that people can't see. Everybody can see the guy or the girl that comes from the beautician with her hair done and looks presentable. Or the guy that's like, you can see me. They cut me open. You can see my heart. You can look into my physical body, my brain, my organs. Praise God. But the scripture or the word of God, it comes to address the hidden man. And let's go over here to Proverbs 4 first. I'm going to Jeremiah, but let me take to the Proverbs 4 and 23 first. And when I get to Proverbs 4 and 23, you're going to see how it bears record with the term cardia, K-A-R-D-I-A, which means the center or the seat of your spiritual life. Proverbs 4 and 23 reads like this. And I would, if somebody can put that scripture online, amen, put it in the comment section, Proverbs 4 and 23 and all of you that's participating, if somebody can type it and type it out, somebody type in there, keep thy heart or keep thy cardia, K-A-R-D-I-A, with all diligence. And there's a semicolon there. The word cardia, what, what, what the writer in Proverbs, what he was trying to bring attention to, he was trying to bring attention to the main element of the human existence, which is the cardia. And he used that term diligence because he was talking about first you got to become aware of your cardia and then second you got to monitor everything that goes in and out 
of the cardia. You gotta know what's in your cardia because what's in your cardia is who you are. That's where your personality is. That's where your emotions are. The things that you love, they live in the cardia. And the Bible says, then look what he says after the semicolon. He say, for out of it, for out of the cardia are the issues of life. Meaning everything that impacts your life, everything pertaining to you, every decision you make, every thought you think, every person you go in relationship with, every interaction that you have in life, where you live, what you drive, what you wear, everything is a reflection of your cardia. Whether you're depressed, whether you're full of joy, whether you're happy, whether you're sad. All of that comes out of the cardia. So the scripture says, guard your cardia because everything pertaining to you, it originates in your cardia or your heart. And if you don't monitor what goes in and out of your heart, the issues of your life can be healthy or they can be detrimental to your existence. So the writer is saying, if you are not monitoring your cardia, then your life is already behind the eight ball because you've got all kind of problems going on in your life and you don't even know what to trace it to. Amen. But if you become aware of your cardia, a lot of sicknesses develop in the body because of a cardia that's not healthy. You know, if you get blockage in your arteries, if your pulse is not correct. I mean, there are so many different, the foods you eat affect your cardia. And that's so that eat so in your natural body is that way, but more so in your spiritual life. Out of the cardia is the root of the condition of your life. Let me say that again. The condition of your cardia or your heart determines the condition, whether it's healthy or unhealthy, every element of your life. Your marriage is affected by the condition of your cardia. Your, your career is affected by the condition of your career. Everything pertaining to you is impacted whether or not the spiritual heart is healthy. One scripture even goes so far as to say it like this. A merry heart is good like medicine. If your heart, if a sickness come up on you and in your heart is joy, and in your heart is optimism, and you're looking for the future, then because of your optimism and the merriness of your heart, it can boost your immune system to fight. But if in your heart is depression and anxiety, when sicknesses come up on you, then you are going to allow it to overtake you because in your heart you don't see reason to live. So in your cardia, in your heart, in your heart, praise God, that is the number one thing that you should be focusing on. So remember, the Greek word for heart is cardia. That's where they get cardio from. K-A-R-D-I-A. Praise God. Out of your heart are the issues are everything affecting your life. Let's go to Jeremiah 17, verse 9 and 10. And let me just give you this right here. <laughs> Praise God. Remember, people of God, out of the cardia is life, cardio. We're talking about the spiritual heart. Remember what that Greek word means, the center or seat, the center or seat of the spiritual life, praise God. Now, let's look at Jeremiah 17, verses 9 and 10. They say, for the heart of the cardia is deceitful above all things. 
Now look at what the prophet said. There's literally nothing that exists in the universe that's more deceitful than the heart of a human being. Why? Because man is multidimensional. His spirit, soul, or heart is one dimension. His mind is another dimension. And his body is another dimension. So what the scripture is saying is a man can have something in his heart as a hidden agenda, but he can manifest through his appearance something totally different. So a man can project something to you that's not really in his heart in an attempt to deceive you. The, the, the prophet is saying there's literally nothing that exists in the human realm that's more deceitful than the heart. Because in your heart, you can have murder and go kiss somebody like you love them. But Jesus asked Judas these words. He said, Judas, he said, how have you allowed Satan to enter your heart? Judas was okay. See, when Satan was speaking to his mind, he can fight that off. When Satan tempts you in your flesh, you can fight that off. But once Satan can get something in your heart, now it has become a part of your character. And you can get things in your heart as part of your character, but portray something totally different. And that's why the prophet is saying the most deceitful thing in the human world is the heart. And then he say, and desperately wicked. He say, who can know it? In other words, he's saying you can have somebody next to you and they can be projecting friendship. They can be portraying loyalty. They can be projecting they love you. But in their heart can be something different. And he said, there's literally no way you can know that because one human cannot know the heart or the thoughts of another human unless it's revealed by God's spirit. Look what he says in the next verse. He said, but I, the Lord, search the heart. God said, I'm not searching what you show me. He said, I'm searching the heart. He said, I try the reins. The reins is the way you go, or your motives. God said, I'm searching your motives. I'm searching your heart. I'm searching why you do something. Even when it comes down to giving, God says, I love a cheerful giver. He's speaking about loving the cordia of a heart of a person that he doesn't have to force to give, but they give because they love him. Praise God. He said, I tried the reins, and he said, even to give every man according to his ways. His ways, talking about his mannerism, talking about what's in his heart, and according to the fruit of his doings. The doings is what you manifest but your ways is what's in your heart. So you don't manifest something except it first lives in your heart. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. So that's why God says, I search the heart or the seat or the motive or the reason. Praise God. That's what God is looking at. God is looking at why you're doing something, praise God. The greatest thing you can do to deceive somebody is give them a gift. Because the Bible says a gift blinds the eyes, praise God. When somebody gives you something, by definition, a gift is an expression of love. But what if somebody's heart is deceitful and they give you something but with the intent to hurt you later? Praise God. And that's why God said, I'm not just looking at what you do. I'm searching your heart because if the heart is right, then everything else is going to be okay. <laughs> Praise God. And I know this is an intense message. I know it's a heavy message, 
But if you can get your heart right, if you can get your heart pure, if you can get your heart clean, that's why the Bible says this. Blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. But what is he talking about pure in heart? When Jesus talks about the pure in heart, he's talking about the ways or the mannerisms or the characteristics that live in the heart. All right. So let's go over here to Mark chapter seven. Absolutely beautiful passage. Mark chapter seven. And look, the only thing that can clean the heart of a man is the word of God. Praise God. You can't allow the word of God to penetrate your heart. And when you're allowing the word of God to penetrate your heart, then the word of God can literally go in your heart and he can start to purify. So let's look at this beautiful passage over here in Mark 14 as Jesus began to teach. And as I've been to look at this passage, This passage is intense, it's powerful, but it's liberating. It's very liberating, praise God. This passage is very liberating if you understand what Jesus is trying to say. All right, so here was in Mark chapter 7, let me just give you the setting because it's a beautiful scripture. What happened was the Pharisees, they saw Jesus' disciples going to eat without washing their hands. And if you read the 13 verses preceding verse 14, what you'll see is they clash because they've been going to tell him, your disciples are transgressing the commandments of the elders and their traditions because they are not going to get their food and washing their hands before they eat it. And the scriptures talked about the Pharisees. They said that they wash their hands often when they go to the market and bring their food home. They wouldn't eat until all of the food is washed. They wash their pots. They made sure their clothes was right. Everything external they did to a T. Everything was done external to a T. And they said, how can your disciples be godly when they're getting ready to eat and they're not taking the time to sanitize or to make sure that what they're consuming is not contaminated? Look at what Jesus began to say. He, so when Jesus got these questions, he called everybody around him and he said, let me get your undivided attention. All right. When he called all the people unto him, he said, okay, hey, you over there, pay attention. He said, you right there, let me teach y'all something. He said, you over there, stop what you're doing. Block out all your distractions. He said, let me give you some knowledge. That's what Jesus was doing. He was calling the crowd to attention. Then he said, hearken unto me, every one of you. He said, and don't just listen. He said, but understand what I'm getting ready to say. He said, there is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. Y'all catch what Jesus said. There's nothing externally that you can bring in your body that can defile you because it doesn't go into the seat of your spiritual life. He said, but the things which come out of him, those are they 
which defile him. And now it's going to go deeper. If any man have, an ear, have ears to hear, let him hear. He said, and when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning this parable. So now he's getting ready to share with the people that really want God some insight. He said, he said unto them, are you also without understanding? He's asking the church world, do you not understand also? And do you not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entering into the man, it cannot defile him? And now it's going to give you some signs. Because it entered not into his cordia. He said, food doesn't go into your cordia. A dirty corn can't affect your heart. A dirty piece of meat can't affect your heart. In fact, before you eat, pray and bless your food. And that sanctifies it. He said, but the food that you consume, it goes into your belly or your physical body. And then it goes into the drawer, which purges all meats. What he's saying is the way God designed the digestive system is once you consume a steak or some corn or whatever you like, the human body attacks that food and goes into the intestines and it pulls out all the nutrients. It pulls out everything the body needs for the blood, for oxygen, for everything necessary. And then after the body gets what it needs out of what you ate, it purges out the waste and it goes into the drawer. He said, but nothing that you ever consume goes into your heart. He said, but that which comes out of the man, that's what defiles him. What he's saying is what's living in his cardia. That's what determines if the man is a defiled man or a holy man. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. So he said, now he's getting ready to talk to you. For from within, out of the cardia, the cardiovascular, spiritual of men, proceed. He said, out of your heart proceeds evil thoughts. When he used the term proceed, he's talking about what, what is coming forth. So he say adultery. He say adultery doesn't start when people come together physically. Adultery starts when the desire is in a cordia. And once it's in a cordia, then the carnal mind takes over. And that's where the plotting and the scheming and the planning come from. The, the manifestation of it is not where it started, but the act originates in the cordia. He say fornication. Fornication does not originate when the bodies come together. Fornication originates when somebody is attracted to somebody. And if you don't block that out, if you don't get God to clean you from that desire, then your mind starts to think on it. Now, let me show you the way things get in the cardia. When you eat a natural food, when you look at some food and God gives you senses, God gives you sight, God gives you smell. And you walk into the house and you smell, you smell something cooking that's good. And you develop a desire for it. You develop a desire for it, but it's still on the outside. And then you say, okay, man, that smells good. And then from smell, you can kind of get an idea of what it's going to taste like. But let's say you never ate it, but all of your senses latched onto it. You didn't eat yet. It didn't get in your digestive system. 
That's what James is talking about. Contelling it's in your spiritual digestive system is just a temptation. It's just something that your senses, your receptors are responding to. But look what Jesus say. But once it goes into the mind and you start to thinking on it, then when you start to think on it, and then once it goes in the cardia, once it gets in the cardia, now it's part of you. So the first thing is it has to appeal to your senses. At the appealing level, you can still cut it off because you have not sinned. You have not violated God. But if it goes from the appealing of the senses to the thinking of the mind, then once you start thinking on it in the mind, then it goes down into the heart. And then once it gets in the cardia or the heart, now God is looking at you like you already done it because it's in your personality. Praise God. And this is what God is saying. Out of the cardia, that's where the disobedience is happening. It's not happening at the temptation level. It's happening once it, once it gets in the cardia. <laughs> Murder. Look what Jesus said. You don't just go and murder somebody most times. First degree murder is called premeditation. Why do you call it premeditation? Because first somebody got to do something you don't like. And once somebody do something you don't like, then you move into not forgiving them. Then once you move to not forgiving them, then you start rehearsing it in your mind and then it turns to hate. And then once it turns to hate, hate is the root of murder. The murder is just a byproduct of hate. That's why Jesus said, you thou shall not murder. But then he went further and said, if you hate your brother without a cause. But Jesus wasn't preaching to the manifestation of sin. But Jesus was preaching to the cordia or to the source or to the cause of it. What he was saying is, if we can get you to not have hate living in your cordia, that would be no murder. God wouldn't have to say, thou shalt not commit murder. All God would have to say is, let the hate be gone. And if the hate is gone out of the cordia, then there would be no murder. Murder only happens because hate lives in the cordia or the heart. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, man, I feel like I'm preaching hard today or teaching hard. Y'all bear with me. Thefts. He's talking about thefts because a lot of times you may have a deficiency in your life of some kind. Where there's a lot of poverty, there's a lot of crime. Because what happens is when people don't have, they get a tendency to want to take from people that do. But when you start to serve God, if you were an individual that wanted to take from people, then you got to start learning how to trust God that God can provide for you. That you don't have to go do kick those no more or, or plot on how to, uh, to steal people bank account information or all of these things. But what he's saying is you can't clean theft up until you get stealing out of the cardia. Then he said covetousness. Y'all get the point. He said wickedness, deceit. Deceit is a hard one because deceit is something and that's what he was talking about with the Pharisees and what you got to learn is not the external though the external needs to be clean and it needs to look a certain way as representing God but that starts if the cardia is right see lasciviousness lasciviousness is doing things to make yourself attractive 
If you are an individual that's walking in lasciviousness, then that will reflect on how you dress. But that will affect in how you flirt. But that will, uh, uh, because lasciviousness just simply means doing things to arouse lust in other people. In other words, fishing. If lasciviousness is in the cardia, then you're going to be a fisher. You're going to make sure you're in the mirror, making sure that things look a certain way at the right angle to catch attention. But if, if, if lasciviousness is not in your cardia, then you're not going to worry about that. You're going to wear modest apparel like Paul taught. Paul taught on shamefacedness and modest apparel. You can wear modest apparel when lasciviousness is not in your cardia. But if, if, if you fishing, if you're trying to make yourself attractive or sexy, then you're going to do things to manifest what's in your cardia. And that's what God is trying to teach in his new covenant. If we can get the cardia pure, then everything else will fall in place. If the cardia is clean, then your body going to be clean. The way you dress going to be clean. And that's what God, that's what the new covenant is about. The new covenant is about dealing with the cardia. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Next, he said, an evil eye. Always thinking evil of somebody. Sometimes people think evil of somebody because that cardia is like that. And what happens is as we have interactions with human beings, then you start learning and you start developing issues with people and you carry that and that follows you. And everybody you meet, you automatically have an evil eye because you're basing that off the platform of people you've dealt with in the past, which you should use past relationships to help you be smart and not fall into the same traps. But you should not move forward in life with an evil eye. But before you even have interactions with somebody, you're already thinking evil of them. Jesus said that's a heart problem. That's a heart condition. Then he said blasphemy, pride and foolishness. Pride is one of the worst things that can live in your cordial because if pride is in your cordial, a word like this will offend you when God is trying to help you. God is trying to tell you that this is where things come from. This is how it starts. And you got to be humble enough to receive the word of God. And, and the Bible says receiving the word of God with meekness. Pride won't let you receive the word. Pride will make you argue against the word, praise God. But pride lives in the cardia or the K-A-R-D-I-A, the heart, the seat. And what Jesus is saying is if we can get all of these things, if any of these things living in your heart, praise God, foolishness. If any of these things are living in your heart, then that is not a pure heart. And I wanted to use some of those to define when Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. This is how you know if your heart is pure. If the things that the Lord Jesus laid out in that list don't live in your cardia, then it's pure. You can't say your cardia is pure on your own judgment scale. You got to weigh your cardia against the word of God. And if your word, if the cardia, you got to, James said it like this. He said, he said, when you're looking into the perfect law of liberty, the standard to clean the cardia is God's word, not traditions of men, not commandments of men. We can't add things to try to make people holy, make people clean, but it's got to be the word. But the only standard that can clean a man's heart is the word of God. The word of God has to be expressed in its purest form. And if the listeners receive it in its purest form, then that word is able to clean the cardia. Jesus said you are clean through the words 
that I've spoken unto you. Praise God. The new covenant has come to address the cardia, not the body. The old covenant addressed the external. The new covenant addresses the internal. Praise God. Hallelujah. So let's go over here. Let me finish that verse. All these evil things come from within and they defile the man. Praise God. So if these things are living in the cardia, then that's called being defiled. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's go over here to Hebrews 3. Now I'm going to show you how. Now this is beautiful. This this is this is a very powerful passage of scriptures right in Hebrews chapter three. And let's start at verse one. I had verse seven. Well, verse seven is fine. They say, wherefore, as the Holy Ghost said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Can somebody write harden not your heart? And that's a process. I want you to think about this. This is a point that I really, really want to drive home because a hard heart is the source of a lot of the problems that we face. The the Holy Ghost is saying, if I'm dealing with you to forgive somebody and you hear that, you know that I'm dealing with you to release that person, to let that grudge go. You know that. You can feel that. You can sense that. You hear that word all of the time. You had an issue with somebody and the spirit of God is dealing with you and you hear his voice. What the Bible is saying is the spirit of God will come to help you. He said, but you can hear that voice telling you and you can harden your heart. What he's saying is if you reject the word of God when it's coming to you then you're not going to allow it to get in your heart. But then what you have just done is you have hardened your heart. And what a hard heart simply means a heart that the word of God can no longer penetrate. Now, here's the danger of having a hard heart. You can still go to church with a hard heart. You can build a denomination because your heart is hard. You can have differences of opinions or different views and somebody can get hardened against the truth and say, well, this is how we're going to do it. Does remember what the proverb writer say? He say, out of the heart are the issues of life. So every time you look and see different denominations, different doctrines, different teachings, all the divisions, schisms, all of that, those things only exist because somebody's heart is too hard to unite. Period. The only reason there can be division is if somebody's heart is hard and people can't find unity. Remember what that Bible said in Proverbs. Now, what you got to do is look at every issue of your life, every problem, everything you're dealing with. And I guarantee you that you can trace it to the hardness in the heart somewhere. He say, harden not your heart, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation, in the wilderness. They say, when your fathers tempted me and they proved me and they saw my works 40 years. Wherefore? I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err. Where, where was the error? The error, saints of God, was in the cardia. God is saying, they brought me bulls. They brought me gifts. They brought me sacrifices. They kept coming to church. They kept paying tithes. They kept doing good. But the error 
goes in the cordial. Saints, it does not coming to church and all of those things are fine, but doing those things is not what qualifies you to see God. You were qualified to see God in the end of all things if the heart or the cordial is pure. If you have no error in your cordial, then you're going to move on to be with God. And they have not known my ways, praise God. So I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brother, and now he's speaking to the church, and beware, talking about giving diligence, lest there be in any of you an evil cordia of unbelief in departing from the living God. Y'all hear what the scripture is saying? You got to guard your heart. You got to pay attention to your heart. But the number one thing you should do every day is make sure that what's going on in your heart is clean. If you feel anything in your heart that Jesus name living in your heart, that's not of God. Saints, deal with it. Pray about it. Go before God. Ask him to clean you. To be honest in prayer. Saying, God, this is what's really in my cordia. Because you can feel it. You can know. You know these things. Paul said this. Know you not your own self, lest you be a reprobate. A reprobate is an individual that's no longer in tune with what's really in their heart and can no longer hear the voice of God. See, the danger comes when you harden your heart. God won't speak to you no more because he can't penetrate it. So if God is dealing with you about matters of your heart, see, that's when God is letting me know his issue with the church is where her heart is. Attendance is you may not be able to come to church, but if your heart has the love of God in it, church can be at your house. Church can be at your car. If you love God, you can have a mobile altar. Praise God. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. See, that's what God is dealing with and appealing with. He said, but let me read that last scripture one more time. Take heed, brethren and my sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil cordia. Search your cordia, people of God. Remember, cordia, that word heart comes from the Greek word cordia. Search it. Make sure that there's no evil things living in there. Make sure there's no grudges in there. Make sure there's no bitterness in there. Make sure there's no malice in there. Make sure there's no unforgiveness. No, Make sure because you don't want to get caught in a predicament where your cordia is evil because an evil cordia is a contaminated cordia. It's a spotted cordia. And that type of heart cannot see God. Praise God. Let's go to the next verse. Praise God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today. Lest any of you should be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. (laughs) That scripture is so beautiful because I talked about it a little bit Wednesday when Jesus covered Peter in prayer. The reason the writer said exhort one another daily. What he was saying is have people in your life that can discern when evil things are entering into your cordia and they're close enough to you. The Bible say, know them that labor among you. In other words, when you get to know somebody, you can discern. When you really love somebody and you know somebody, God will give you discernment into the cordia of another person. Jesus walked in it at least at minute. There's three accounts I'm thinking of right now when Jesus discerned the cordia of somebody. Number one, when Judas went to betray him, he said, 
how have you allowed Satan to enter your cardia? Number one. Number two, he told Peter, Satan desires to have you and sift you as wheat. He discerned what the devil was doing. He said, but I pray for you that your faith fail not. And number three, when he was around his, the, the Pharisees, the scripture says he discerned or he knew their thoughts. He was able, God gave him insight into their cordia. And then I'm also thinking about another time when his disciples were gathered together. The scripture said they were arguing amongst themselves about who was the greatest. Jesus had enough love for them and enough Holy Ghost in them. His exhortation to them that they was, what were you arguing about while you were in the way? And everybody got quiet. And then God began to reveal to him that they were arguing or they were wrestling in their heart about who was going to be the greatest. See, when competition lives in your cardia, that's called emulations and variances. When you always got to compete and be superior, that starts in the heart. And that competitive spirit shouldn't be in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, your only job in the kingdom of God is to identify the part you're supposed to play and maximize it. You're not supposed to be in competition with one another. But competition starts in the cardia. And you need somebody like Jesus in your life that can discern when you're striving amongst yourself about who's the greatest. Praise God. They were over there competing about who's the greatest. Hallelujah. So you need people in your life that can discern what's in your cardia or your heart that can help you. Amen. Because if you don't have people in your life that can discern when you when Satan is in into your heart, the Bible say woe unto the man that's alone when he fall. For we are partakers. We are made partakers of Christ. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Praise God. Let's turn over here to the book of Exodus real quick. Let's go to the book of Exodus. 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 And I just want to show you, amen, never let your heart be hardened through the things you deal with in life. Because if you are a person that's, that, that holds grudges and bitterness and unforgiveness, that's a symptom of a heart that's hard. The only reason you can't move past issues is if your heart is hard. And the number one thing that causes a heart to be hard is pride. I feel like God is doing cardiovascular surgery today. I can feel the Holy Ghost and I can feel it. I can, I can sense that. I pray that God is helping somebody deal with their matters of the heart. <laughs> the most beautiful thing about the Spirit of God is that it gives you discernment, praise God. It allows you to be able to, okay, so let's go over here to Exodus chapter 8. Beautiful verse. And Moses said, now I'm going to show you what it looks like when the heart gets hard. The first thing that happens to a heart that's hard is pride. You've got to have some pride there. And Moses said, behold, I go out from thee, and I will entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh and from his servants, and from his people tomorrow. But let not Pharaoh deal deceitfully. See, Moses had been dealing with Pharaoh, and there was times that God moved things from Pharaoh, and Pharaoh came out there like he was going to let the people go. And then once God moved the play in his heart, he was still holding on to what he was going to do. So Moses said, let not Pharaoh be deceitful anymore. 
They're not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. Praise God. And Moses went out from Pharaoh and he entreated the Lord. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And he removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh and from his service and from his people. And there remained not one. So God moved the swarm. So here is God taking away this plague from Pharaoh. A lot of times God will allow predicaments to come in our life, people of God, to humble us. But once God brings your heart posture to a state of humility, when God moves that situation out of your life, don't go back to being hard. Look what Pharaoh did. When Pharaoh saw all of the flies gone, Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also. Neither would he let the people go. So that happened many times. See, a lot of times God will move things and give us a relief. But we cannot allow our hearts to go back to being hard. Maybe God will sometimes get us out of jail. Or sometimes God will move for us in our finances. Or sometimes we had a close call with a, a, a sexually transmitted disease and, and we get out of that and God had mercy on us. And that, that, that scare made us humble ourselves. But then we don't use that moment to humble ourselves. Once we see we clear of that danger, then you can let your heart get hard and go back into it. But let me show you the danger of God freeing you from a danger and you harden your heart and go back. He said, and Pharaoh hardened his heart this time, as a, and neither would he let the people go. Let's go to Exodus 14, six chapters later. Hallelujah. Exodus 14. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying these words, speaking to the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before Pi-Hararot, between Migdal and the sea, and over against Baal-Zephon, before it shall encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh was saying of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Now, you had some scenarios where God brought some things to Pharaoh to humble him. And when the danger was lifted, Pharaoh, with the deceitfulness of his heart, went back to his practice. He hardened his heart. Well, then the time came where God said, okay, because you continually harden your heart, now I'm going to harden your heart. And there are some terms for this in the New Testament. One of them is called reprobation. Reprobation is when you can't repent no more. One of them is called having your conscience seared with a hot iron. When your conscience becomes seared, you can't repent no more. See, you don't want to move to a point to where now you can no longer repent, where the word of God can't touch your heart, when the word of God can't prick you. When, because what happens is, after you go through a series of times when God deals with you and you humble yourself and the danger passed, then you go back into it and now you feel like you're safe, then you go back into it, then what happens is there comes a time where God says, okay, I'm not going to continually strive. Now I'm going to harden your heart. 
And what the, what the reprobated mind or the seer conscience look like is you no longer feel God dealing with you to correct the issues of your heart. You no longer feel God tugging at you. You no longer hear the voice of God nudging you. When God stops dealing with you, you never want to get to a place to where you can't have conviction for things that violate God. Praise God. <laughs> you know, because if God had mercy on you and brought you out of the world and spared you from that bad relationship, he brought you out of that abusive relationship where a man used to beat you up all of the time and now God brought you out of that thing. And now you get free from that and God start to bless you and things start going your way. And do you allow yourself through the loneliness attack of the enemy to start looking for something that God frees you out of? Then guess what? God will allow you to get entangled again. But the next time God may harden your heart and you may not be able to get out of it. I always take that as a warning to somebody. Amen. Don't get to a point to what God hardens your heart and now you can no longer be responsive to the voice of God hallelujah praise God deal with us oh God God always deal with our heart God always deal with our mind God if there's any conscience that's been seared by the mercy of God I know God that that seems like an impossible condition but God there's nothing impossible to you God I believe God you're sending this word God to give someone another opportunity God if they've been blessed and because the scriptures say no man can come to you except you draw them so God if you have drawn somebody to hear this stream today God have mercy on them God that their heart even if it has may have been hardened God I ask God that uh, your hand be stayed God don't harden their heart God and even if it is been hardened oh God have mercy upon them oh God do surgery change it God change it God never let us get to a place to where we don't feel the the conviction and the reproof of the Holy Ghost hallelujah praise God always deal with us God let's go over here to the book of Ezekiel praise God Let's go into the book of Ezekiel. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ezekiel 36. Let me show you how good our God is. Let's go to Ezekiel 36. And let me tell you something. Listen, I want y'all to hear this very carefully. Very, very carefully. This is the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> God was the first surgeon. I want y'all to understand what I'm saying. When God made Adam, he was by himself. And what happened is God, how many of you know what anesthesia is? Anesthesia is when you put the body in a suspended state so you can operate on it. They're still alive, but you numb the pain, you numb them, you put them in a position where you can operate on it. The medical world now calls that anesthesia what the scripture calls it a deep sleep. So think about this. God literally went in a man and pulled a bone out. So the scripture says that God performed, gave him his anesthesia, and then he came with his precise hand and he pulled that bone out. And when he pulled that bone out, from that bone he created a whole new human. And I use that as a precursor to show you what I'm getting ready to read. That uh, the surgery that God is talking about today 
is God is offering you an opportunity to have your hard heart removed. It doesn't matter how hard your heart has been prior to this message. If you if you are humble enough to admit that there's things in your heart or your cordial that's not clean, then God is offering you today an opportunity to not just get your heart clean, but to get a new heart. Let's go back up a little bit to verse 25. Verse 25. So here is God talking about when his people had went back into the world and his people were doing things that the heathens were doing. He said, I'm going to call you out of those conditions. He said, then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean. He said, from all of your filthiness and from all of your idols. Will I clean you? He said, a new heart also will I give you. And he put a comma right there. I don't know about you, but I want a new heart. David, when he began to pray, he didn't pray just for forgiveness. Because God will forgive you every time you ask him. But David knew that it took more than just being forgiven. Because David said, God, you can forgive me, but my desire for somebody else's wife is still there. And he said, God, even though you forgive me, but you don't take that desire out of my heart, I'm going to do it again. So David knew, I don't just need to be forgiven. I needed you to remove that desire out of my cordial. So David prayed like this. He said, God created me a clean heart. He didn't say, God, wash my heart. He said, God, create in me a clean heart. He said, God, I don't want the same desires. I don't want the same thought process. I don't want the same mind. I don't, when I finish this prayer, I don't even want the desire for somebody I'm not married to. Praise God. Hallelujah. He said, so God said, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit will I put within you surgery he said and then look what God say I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh now look at what look at what the writer saying prophetically the writer wrote I will take away the stony heart I will take out of you the heart that resists my word when it convicts you. Because when my word comes, you always justify it. You always have a, a tradition. You always have another way of doing it. You always got an excuse. God calls that a stony heart. If the word comes and you can't just humble yourself at the word, then you have what's called a stony heart. <laughs> but when the word comes, he say, I will take that stony heart out that doesn't allow the word of God to penetrate it. And I will take that heart out of your flesh. And then he said, I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. Oh, my God. He used that term heart of flesh to symbolize a heart that's soft and tender. That responds to the spirit. That responds to the word. That doesn't try to justify a behavior. That doesn't try to cover up a behavior. That doesn't try to build a commandment or a doctrine to, 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 to cover a sin. 
praise God. But a heart of flesh is just a heart that's in total surrender and just saying, God, if you bring me understanding in your word, because that's what's living in my heart doesn't please you, we're getting it out of there, praise God. That's the kind of heart that God is looking for. A heart that's soft, but that doesn't justify why I have a grudge for seven years. Why I can't speak to this person. Why I can't fix this. A heart of flesh is the kind of heart that'll say, you know what? I'm going to take the wrong because I want to be at peace. A heart of flesh, the Bible says, agree with your adversary quickly. It takes a heart of flesh to, to, to fix things quickly because a heart of flesh is tender and it's soft. And the heart of flesh, all that heart of flesh wants is to please God. But the heart of flesh doesn't want to jeopardize 10 minutes outside of the will of God. A heart of flesh is a heart that's monitoring what's going in it, what's going out of it. Praise God. Man, I can feel that. Hallelujah. A heart of flesh that's tender, that's humble, that's responsive, that's not going to say or cover up anything. Praise God. You can't give yourself that kind of heart. Only the spirit of God can change your heart. Only the spirit of God can go in your heart and make it tender. Only the spirit of God can come in and do surgery. That's what the scripture is talking about. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. You could have got in a, 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 a hard down argument with your friend last night and hear this word today and say, you know what? We're going to get this together. Because when the heart is fresh and is fleshly and is tender, you're not going to want to jeopardize not being in the agreement with God. Praise God. Somebody say, God, give me a heart of flesh. Hallelujah, Lord. It takes a heart of flesh to forgive somebody that molested you when you were younger. And you got to let that get out of your heart. It takes a heart of flesh to forgive a man that abused you. And you got to let that go so you can heal. (laughs) Praise God. A lot of you, you can't move forward in life. Because there's a hardness in your heart. And remember what Proverbs said. It says, out of the heart are the issues of life. And a lot of the relationship issues you have, a lot of the work issues you have, every issue that you have in your life that's deficient, you can trace it to your heart. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. So I pray that I spoke something today by the Spirit of God that helps somebody. Praise God. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So we're going to get ready to pray. Praise God on this morning. Hallelujah. And as we get ready to pray and dismiss, I want you to really lock in and focus with me. Focus with me. Focus with me. Praise God. Because the beautiful thing about God, when the word of God comes to clean up our life, we should be thankful because now is the day of salvation. And I just want to just give you a quick summary and we're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. Amen. God, you know, in Proverbs, it says how out of the cordia are the issues of life. And the whole point of this message is bringing us into awareness of our cardia and understanding that nothing that comes from the external penetrates the spiritual heart. 
but the, the, what God is looking for is the internal or the spirit or the cordial. And once we learn to focus on that, then everything else in our life can be healthy. So take this word today as a, a, a something that you can keep with you forever. Because if you monitor what's going on in your heart, your whole life can be healthy. Praise God. So let's get ready for prayer. Amen. And if I read anything in there today that you know is living in your heart, praise God. Ask God, identify it. Identify it. Identify it. Be humble enough to identify what's living in your cordial, what's living in your heart. And if you're humble enough to be honest about because you know your own self. You know what lives in your cordial. You know what lives in your heart. You know if there's bitterness there, if there's envy there, if there's adultery there, if there's fornication there, if there's grudges there, if there's hatred there. Because only you know that. Nobody can know that. The Bible says, who can know it? But what we're getting ready to do, praise God, is go before God with our hearts in transparency. And we're going to ask God to give us a new cordial or a new heart. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Father God, we humble ourselves before you this morning. Oh God, just with knowledge of the word, God, knowing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord God, that is not what comes into a man, hallelujah, from the outside that defiles the man. Because nothing from the outside entering into the man can penetrate his cardia. Hallelujah. But God, I'm grateful, God, for the understanding. God, and knowing, hallelujah, Lord, and understanding the process, God, of how things enter into the heart. God, and not only that, but understanding, God, that we can come before you, God, transparently to the throne of grace for mercy. When evil things, God, enter our heart. For God, that is the advantage of having the Spirit of God. God, that as we walk along this journey, God, and in one season of our life, God, we may have been humble, but pride can enter the heart. God, we may have been clean, but things can enter in. Satan can tempt us, God, and we can fall into these things. But the beauty about it, oh God, that you send your word to highlight our conditions, oh God, and give us knowledge and give us insight, God, on what you're concerned about, that cordial, God, that heart, God. Hallelujah, Lord. God, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Hallelujah, Lord. God, if there's any stone in my heart, oh God. God, if there's any hardness in my heart, oh God. God, if there's any wicked way, God, search me, oh God, and clean me, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. God, I want to be clean in your sight, God. Hallelujah, Lord God. God, for being clean in the sight of humans, God. God, that's easy. God, all you have to do in the sight of a human is throw on church clothes. God, and get a haircut and wear a suit and the right clothes like the Pharisees did. God, and people can look and say, that's a Christian, that's a believer. Hallelujah, Lord God. Oh, God, but that's not what you're looking at, God only, God. For the scriptures say, I, the Lord, try the hearts. I try the reins. 
Hallelujah. To give to every man according to his doings, God. God, you tried the heart, oh God. God, you looked at our motives. Hallelujah. You looked at our intents. Hallelujah, Lord. God, if there be any variance, God, any competition, God, every time we leave the presence of God, God, we should leave clean, oh God. God, we should never leave your presence the way we entered in, God. For God, it's the entering in of your presence that highlights the deficiencies in us. And I thank you for the Holy Ghost that x-rays us, God. I thank you for the Holy Ghost that searches the heart, even the deep things. God, I thank you for the Holy Ghost that even searches your mind. And it relays to us the will of God. I thank you for the Holy Ghost because it searches our heart. And whenever he finds things in our heart that's not in your will, he pray for us according to your will. I humble myself today, God. Hallelujah, Lord. I humble myself. Clean me today, God. God, wash me, God. God, let nothing evil be in my cardia. God, let there be no evil thoughts. God, let there be no murders, God. God, let there be no deaths, God. God, let there be no blasphemy, no pride, no lascivious, no fornication, no adultery, God. God, I don't want anything living in me, God, that's not in agreement with the word of God. God, take out every stone, God, as you x-ray me. God, if there's even a stone that I'm not aware of, take it out of me, Lord. God, anything in me, God, that's not of you. God, take it away, God. God, burn it away, God, with your holy fire. God, I don't want anything in me that's not clean. God, clean me with the Spirit of God. Wash me with pure water, God. Wash me, God. Purge my conscience from dead works, God. God, that I may serve the living God. God, let my conscience be clean before you. God, so that I can testify like Paul, that I live a life void of offense toward you and toward humans. God, I don't want to violate any human, God. God, I don't want to sin against you, God. God, I don't want to sin against any human, oh God. God, clean me today, God. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Purge me with his of God. That I may be clean, God. God. Purge me today, God, that I may be clean before you, Lord God. God, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Hallelujah, Lord. God, anything unclean, oh God, I don't want it, God. God, I don't want anything in me, God, that could separate me from you in the end. Let my heart be pure. God, and there's no way a man's heart can be pure, God, except he's first humble and honest. Wash me today, God. Wash this church, God. God, everyone viewing online, God, take out the stony heart, God. God, let them understand the process, God, of having a stony heart, God. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, God, let them understand, my Lord, God. Hallelujah. God, that as if they have any stony heart in them, oh, God. God, the surgeon is here today, God, to remove the stony heart, God. Hallelujah, Lord. 
God, and give them a heart of flesh today, my Lord God. God, we need a heart of flesh, oh God. God, we need a heart of flesh, oh God. Hallelujah, Lord God. God, we need a heart of flesh today, my Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord. We bow before you, Jesus. Only you can create the new creature. Hallelujah. Oh God, hallelujah, Lord. Create in me a clean heart. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Fill me with your precious spirit, oh God. Wash me clean all over again, God. God, I want to be new, God, all over again, God. Hallelujah, Lord. God, in the name of Jesus, God. God in Acts chapter 4 God as they started the journey my Lord God God in Acts chapter 2 you filled them with the Holy Ghost God God but as they begin to battle my Lord God God and as they begin to war in the kingdom oh God God as they begin to face opposition oh God God they gathered again in the upper room God God and up they gathered again God God in the face of the adversity God God and they asked for you to fill them again God hallelujah Lord Fill me again, God. Hallelujah, Lord. God, I want to be full, God. God, I want to overflow, God. God, I want it to overflow, God. God, I want to be full of you, God. God, I want to be full of you like Paul began to say. He died daily, my Lord, God. Hallelujah, Lord. God, he began to say that it was no more him that lived. But it was Christ living in him, God. Give us that heart, Jesus. Oh, God, pray with me, church. Pray with me, church. Oh, ask God to fill you all over again. Ask the hand of God to remove the stony heart. Ask them to give you the strength to forgive, to release, to hold no grudges. For your heart to be pure. Because remember, only the pure in heart is going to see the Lord. Hallelujah, Lord God. Oh, my God. Amen. I don't know about you, but I need God. God, I realize, oh God, that I can't breathe without you, God. God, I can't live without you, God. God, I thank you for this wonderful spirit that I feel in this place, God. Thank you for the Holy Ghost that visits us, oh God. Oh, da, 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 da. 
Hallelujah, Lord. Let your believers have a heart of flesh today, God, so that the word of God can be planted in them, so that the spirit of God can lead them and guide them. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. We're getting ready for our benediction. Praise God. We're getting ready to go. Amen. We're going to read our number six. Amen. And I just want to share with you how excited I am about the future. Amen. I believe that God is going to do some great things through us. Amen. I believe that after this season is over, amen, it's going to be absolutely amazing. And keep us in prayer that God gives us wisdom and guidance and directs us. Pray with us as we pray with you. Pray with us. And amen, as we look to upgrade our equipment, amen, our cameras, amen, we just want to serve you better. So partner with us in your giving, amen, and, and, and as we look to, we, we want to redo our stage, amen, better lighting, amen. Our heart is to give you the absolute best, praise God. So when you're giving, just see yourself as partnering with us to make everything better, to make our sound better. Amen. We're going to work harder to make sure everything is excellent and better for you. Amen. Because as we're getting ready to move into a new season, amen, we don't want to, we want to move forward in excellence, praise God. So keep us in prayer. Do you know the Bible say don't despise small beginnings? We started in the hotel, amen, and that was part of our genesis, and that's how the Lord saw fit, and he blessed us with this place. Amen. But we don't despise those things. Amen. He gave us what we needed. Amen. And he sustained us just like he did the children of Israel in the wilderness. But now I can feel it upon us that God is we're getting ready to take another step that we're using this down season where everybody can gather to revisit and revamp and, and get better, to get sharper. They never use adversity as a negative. The scriptures say all things work together for good. So we're going to use this season to, to get better. We're going to use this season to get smarter, to get tighter, tighter, more efficient. We're going to come back, and when we come back together, we want it to be better than it ever was. So keep that in mind when you're giving through the week. Amen. Partner with us and pray that God gives us wisdom that we are stewarding what he put in our hands with divine wisdom. <laughs> Praise God. So let's go ahead and read our, uh, we're going to get ready to go. Numbers chapter 6, amen. And since we started reading this, amen, there's been so many testimonies of the favor of God opening doors and taking people beyond what they can do in their own ability. Amen. So Numbers chapter 6, amen. If you can put this up there, y'all get this number 6 and read it during the week. The scripture says, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. 
and, I sh- and they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. God bless you. We love you. Keep us in prayer, and we're going to pray with you. And as we get ready to go, before you log off, amen, before you log off, before you log off, I want you to text your prayer request. And this week, amen, what I'm going to do, I'm going to take those prayer requests that you type in there today, and we're going to pray with you. We're going to come in agreement with you on this week. So if you're battling sicknesses or if you've got loved ones battling sickness, you need God to move in your finances. Whatever you need to do, send these prayer requests in here as you get ready to log off, and we're going to carry them in prayer this week, and we're going to believe God to do some great things for you. Again, God bless you. We love you. Praise God, and we'll see you soon.